TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome into Purple Daily, and the Vikings are finally practicing our, what, eight-month wait for the Vikings to be on a field and uh, and doing 11-on-11 drills is over. So we're going to dive into some of the things that we observed and that uh, reporters observed over the weekend. But a quick shout-out to Federated. Federated Insurance has been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over 100 years. And this is not the year to be unsure about your insurance coverage as a business. In fact, a lot of businesses, you're just trying to stay open right now. You're just trying to come up with plans to make sure that 2020 finishes somewhat strong anyways, and you can and you can start rebuilding for 2021. Well, Federated can help with risk management. Federated can help with pandemic policies and HR response plans and all kinds of other things. To find out more, go to federatedinsurance.com. <laughs> you like that? Welcome in to Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff producing. And gentlemen, the Minnesota Vikings have stepped foot on the practice field. And uh, it's it's a weird training camp. There's no preseason games. There's all kinds of positional battles that are going to have to be won and, and fought over without actual like evaluation in games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a few things to sort out from the first practices over the weekend. Judd's going to be out there throughout the week. Taking stuff in full pads today for you or on for Monday. the or for the team? Um, no, no, no. I'm I'm going full pants today, but no full pads. <laughs> Do you real quick before Shorts. we get into some of the things that we learned uh, observing the Vikings and and just checking out some of the accounts from reporters who were on the scene? What what was like? There's definitely things you probably hated about covering training camp in your day, covering the Vikings beat for the Star Tribune and for 1500ESPN.com. But right, were there like one or two things that you actually looked forward to and enjoyed about NFL training camp every year when it was coming around the corner? Besides drinking at the Mankato, I was going to say you just took away my. <laughs> I was going to say yeah, um, the bars were great, f- fantastic. It was it was intriguing to see. I always thought the coaching. And because, you know, we've talked about this a thousand times, but I always go back to Zim's first year in 2014 and the amount of time he spent with Rhodes. And like Rhodes was not a terrible player. He was he was a very serviceable and you thought was going to be a good corner. But, you know, Mike came in to the job for having been recognized for his work with defensive backs and cornerbacks in particular. And I just remember stuff like that, watching Zimmer basically spend all of this time in Rhodes' back pocket. And so that was became very instructive, I think, to why Rhodes went from becoming a good player to, for a period of time, I thought a great player. Yeah. Uh, so things like that. Now, you know, clearly the old two-a-days got to be a bit much, and you'd be out there on the sun-baked fields, and Phil, as you told the story last week, damn near suffer heat stroke at times. By the way, look, you see my forehead today on the video? Um, see this right here? Yeah. A little sunburn there? That's me having do it a, again? a backwards head-on for a three-hour walk this weekend, oh, but it was a snapback. And so, What are you doing to yourself? So there's just a small like snapback You're 35. What are you doing? of my forehead that now has a sunburn. That looks like it hurts, too. It's a little painful, but it's not going to go away. For the shame is more painful than the actual. <laughs> the problem, the problem with camp practices, though, was um, 
the inevitable false sense of security it would give you about certain players and especially quarterbacks, right? Yes. So that was the Jack looked great yes. in some of those practices. So, so the, the problem was was you would try to make judgments on players from training camp practices and for everyone where a guy like popped up and you said that guy's going to be good and he turned out to be good, I would estimate there were probably and I'm not exaggerating here what, like 5 to 10, probably more like 10 guys who you thought, that guy looks like he could be good yes. and was a complete bomb. So so good and bad as far as the observations and the feelings about players that uh, came from uh, camp practices. It's harder now because the practices are so short and they're not, you know, they don't hit and things. But, you know, Childress back then, two-a-days, full pads, lots of contact – it became very easy to make pronouncements, and one was true, and probably ten were wrong. Yeah, I mean, and, and every time you'd see someone flash and make a great play, it's like that's the thing that stood out in your mind. Marcus McCauley was one of those guys. Like he's the gambler from Fresno State. He's going to chip and I undercut once, routes. Chip and I, Chip oh and I God. once called the office and said that we had to write a different story for that day because, and I'm not joking here, laugh all, all you want because you should, Chris Cook had picked off three passes in a training camp practice <laughs> in real drills, and it looked phenomenal. And we're like, this is a story. Chris Cook looks unbelievable. Chris Cook, I believe he ended his Vikings career with zero interceptions, I think. Sounds right. I believe he ended his career because he didn't he bounce to San Francisco for like he didn't get one in San a Fran? cup of coffee. He might have ended his career with zero, one max. Let's before we get in. Okay. Let's, let's but just anyway, make sure we, we wrote, give proper credit. We wrote a Star Tribune story. Zero, dude. Zero. Yes. Zero. Second round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Forty games, yep. zero picks. Correct. High pick. How is that possible? Thirty fourth overall. Because you're not good. Oh my! But you gosh. were that day in Mankato. Three. Chris count them. Three in the, in the Mankato Sun. <laughs> so that's wow. the answer to your question. So Chris Cook, congratulations. Uh, in college, Chris Cook did wind up with seven interceptions, so at least he did that. So, all right, let's go through some things that were learned this weekend uh, at Vikings training camp. And and thing number one actually was more before training camp started. You were on the call with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook seems to be pretty happy. He he practiced this weekend. He's not playing any sort of trickery or like faking an injury. There's no contract done yet. But what do you, what are your impressions about Dalvin Cook's demeanor this weekend? knowing that they are discussing a contract. His call that, that he did with us on uh, Friday, which was is the first time that he's talked to us, I think, since we were at the point in June where somebody from the Cook camp said that he was done taking part in um, Vikings-related activities until he got a new contract, to which he does not have one, to which Dalvin said on Friday, that's absolutely not true. I was always pl- planning to come to camp. I'm going to play. So I have two takeaways here. Takeaway one is a contract is so close and Dalvin knows it, and so he's going to say the right things. Because I can't tell you how content and happy he seemed for, for a guy who currently, with his contract, and I know it's a lot to most of us in 2020, but I could say this with full confidence, is thoroughly getting screwed. Like, he's due to make 1.3 mil, which to you, me, Declan, would be fantastic, yeah. and to him is very, very small. Of course, um, in the NFL, uh, the Vikings know he's getting screwed, too. Absolutely. But aren't willing to say, hey, we know you've been screwed, so let's make up for well, it by giving you 10. That's not how sports well, contracts work. Option one is that they are very close to an extension, though, and, and so he is uh, playing along and being a good guy about it because he knows, let's say, within the next three or four days, he'll be getting a contract extension. That has, as we record this, yet to happen. Option two really interests me. Option two is... He's maintaining a brave face about this. He's going to play. 
he, deep in his heart of heart, thinks that things are going to contractually fall into place. And at some point, the Vikings are going to reward him. And I'd like to have a conversation off that. Because if that's how he feels and he's going to play, I don't want to be a bad employer. But I'm calling his bluff. I'm telling him, dude, yes, absolutely, go play. We will. We we want you to succeed. Make no mistake, Dalvin Cook. We're going to give you the ball so much. And, of course, what I'm not going to say is you are also going to take a beating because of that. But what I'm going to say is you are going to get every opportunity to prove that either from us or another team after 2020 that you deserve this payday. The only thing is during the course of the 2020 season, you're not going to get it. I would, if, if he's going to be this content and he is not on the precipice of a new contract, I'm calling his bluff, man. What option does he have? Let's say the Vikings have said, and I, if I had to bet, by the way, I would guess that they're probably close to a contract extension and it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of like $10 million a year. And maybe there's some incentives or bonuses or something or whatever. But let's say the Vikings have, have said, hey, you guys want 13. Well, there's no way we can give you that much. And we just don't know what the salary cap situation is going to be coming out of a year in which revenue was down across the board. So we want you to play this year. We're highly interested in coming up with some sort of solution long-term, but for right now, this is all on hold. If if Dalvin Cook has said, okay, um, well, I'll just go out and, and play, then how would you handle it going forward if you're the Vikings? I might just say, <laughs> play as hard as you can in 2020. <laughs> I know. Yes. And Alex Madison's the starting running back going forward. Like it, it well, might just it might just be your out because if you have no risk of him sitting out, like he doesn't have an option. No, he doesn't. He can't sit out. But what I'm saying is, but he could be. He could have come off as far more frustrated or cantankerous. I mean, we, we have we have seen guys that don't have good options to decide they're not going to play still sort of allude to the fact or be flat out a pain in the ass. But if he's not going to, to be, and by the way, if he's not, bravo to him for that. Um, but if I'm the Vikings publicly and with Dalvin, I'm saying, you know what, Phil, what you just said, play as hard as you possibly can. You are going to get the ball a ton. We are going to get creative with you. We are going to make you look good. Okay. That's my public stance. Privately, I would say we're going to wear him out as much as we possibly can. He plays a position that is incredibly tough to be proficient at for a long period of time. Um, he gets hurt quite a bit. Let's see privately, I would say. Let's see what he can do. And if he stays healthy and plays 16 games and it goes great, we might we might revisit this. But as of now, let is let's get everything that we possibly can for 2020 and then back to your point, if M- Madison becomes the guy in 2021, that's absolutely fine. But you know, the one thing that I would be concerned about a little bit is if he was going to prove to be a pain. But if he's not, and he so he made no, absolutely no reference to the fact that he is, if I'm the Vikings, I'm sort of thrilled about he, this, and I'm going to let him play and uh, see where things fall. Here's another angle to this. So it used to be that 400 touches between rushing attempts and, and pass receptions, it used to be in the NFL that 400 touches was like the red line of, boy, if a guy gets to that, be on the lookout for injuries the next year. I mean, Terrell Davis, Jamal Anderson, there's all kinds of examples of, it doesn't happen every time, but guys who have a huge workload, Adrian Peterson, and then and then all of a sudden the next year, they're just like their body, their body is weak or whatever it is. I don't think it's, I think it's uh, more than just coincidence and bad luck that that has happened throughout the course of NFL history. Well, is it possible that that number has gone down from 400 to like 
something between 300 and 350 based on guys not getting the workload bell cow carries. And let me give an example here. This is just anecdotal, and this is small sample size. Mm -hmm. But Dalvin Cook, if you take his college career, the only other time aside from last year that he went over 300 touches in a season was his junior year at Florida State. He had 288 rushing attempts and 33 receptions. He went over 300 touches for the first time in college. The next year, boom, knee gives out after week four in the NFL. Okay? Builds it back up, comes back, plays 11 games in 2018. Uh, He winds up running 130 times, catches 40 passes, 175 touches, whatever it was. Last year, he goes over 300 touches again for the first time since his junior year. In fact, last year, if you want to go touches in the NFL, 85 as a rookie, 173 in his second year, 303 touches last year. Mm -hmm. Should they be on the lookout for a high usage injury. And it's and I get that it's not the 400 touches that guys had 20 years ago. But for Dalvin Cook, 300 touches in 2019 is a lot. It's like the That's that's like exactly t- what I'm saying though. It's tied for the but, most touches. I I'm, I'm just adding to your you, point. You just said what the Vikings are probably saying privately, right? Correct. Well, like that that whole thing um statistically would behoove them to say He's going to be a good camper about this. He's still a very good player. Wow, a good camper. I see what you did there. Well, or then a good, yeah. (laughs) All right. And then then when you transition to the season, you could, you know, he gets a ton of use. Mm -hmm. He's a good player. But I also think this comes down to a very fair question for 2020. Can he stay healthy? And we do not know that. And that that takes your point and makes it scarier. Because let's say that now... Uh, throughout the course of the coming season, that we do get a usage injury as well, on top of the stuff that's been wrong before. And uh, I just think as good a player as he is internally, if you're the Vikings, this is a lot tougher decision on a contract than, let's say, Diggs was. Because they, they have done a great job of giving second contracts to draft picks who have been good. This might be, to me, the most difficult decision, though, because there's so many other variables that you have to factor in. Yeah, in a perfect world, for all the reasons we just mentioned, you'd ride it out in 2020 and then see what the market offers him in 2000, you know, between 2020 and 21. And if, if there, put it this way, just to put a wrap on this, we can come back and talk about Dalvin later this week. If there was a way for you to preserve the relationship with him this year and say, hey, I, I know you're underpaid. Let's ride this out. Let's see what... You do this season. He's, again, he'd want the money up front. But if he has no leverage to sit, like he doesn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. And then let's see what the market wants to pay you next year. And it's kind of like restricted free agency if you can maintain the relationship with him. If if another team offers him 10 and you decide you want to you match the offer, like obviously it's not actual restricted free agency where you would get to match the offer. But can you preserve the relationship throughout 2020 you could to maybe bring him, him. back? But just well, franchise, you franchise him, him if too, you want. But franchising him would be the average of the five it's highest about 10 running backs. It's it's higher than that. It's like ten point five. the the uh, The tag for this year was aside from special te- teamers, the fr- the franchise tag on a running back after two thousand nineteen was the lowest of any position. But isn't it going to go higher because of recent contracts? It'll signed? go a little bit higher. But my point my point is, if you really wanted to keep him, like the McCaffrey, just contract, franchise him. The McCaffrey contract doesn't factor into that franchise. But the Zeke number. one did, I believe. But the point is, like, you can keep him. Yeah. For $50 I think million. You're ex- I think <laughs> you're exactly right. No, I, I think what you're saying is spot on. So, all right. Next thing we learned. 
So just real quick here, we'll get to offensive line, but cornerbacks. So Jeff Gladney, it sounds like he's still kind of rehabbing the meniscus surgery yep. and that he did some light work. Sunday. But according to The Athletic, with Gladney only doing light work, the Vikings fielded Holton Hill and Mike Hughes as the starting cornerbacks in their base defense, mm-hmm. with Hughes kicking inside, uh, uh, kicking inside in the nickel packages. And then the third cornerback when they were a nickel was Cam Dantzler. Mm-hmm. So Cam Dantzler... Holton Hill, Mike Hughes in the absence of Jeff Gladney, and then the second team base corners with Dantzler, Chris Boyd, and Mark Field. You'd have to think that when Gladney is ready, he's the third cornerback. Gladney took part on Sunday, and I want to say also saw some time inside in the nickel in Sunday's workout. So, so there. I mean, this is just, it's going to be how much can he learn in eleven this on is, eleven drills? It's basically. an incredible ask. I, I mean, this is an incredible ask. Um, to go into a defense where the one thing with with Zim's young corners is he generally doesn't play that much, and so now to have no practices and you know um, if it's Dantzler or Gladney, I don't care. The ask of those guys within the first four to five weeks of the season is going to be incredibly high, and and you know Rhodes and Waynes and that crew can frustrate you, and they certainly did. But I'm telling you right now. If you're a Vikings fan, keep your expectations in check here because this is this could get bad, and it doesn't mean that these guys suck. It means absolutely nothing. Um, but the ask of what you are are doing with these draft picks potentially and playing them is going to be off the charts because Zimmer's defense and the corners are called to do a lot. And I I don't know if Mike's going to dial that back or not. I don't know if Mike can dial that back a lot, to be honest with you. Did you, uh, was it was it our guy Cam Dantzler, our pick for Mr. Mankato here? Was that the the, the clip someone sent us of him just getting torched yes. on a play? And, yeah. yeah, that was. Um, get it out of your system early, Cam. Yeah, that's going to happen. You're facing, you're facing A-Rodge in week one, man. Who was the wide receiver on that play? Was it Jefferson? Was there was a one where he had a slick route where Jefferson absolutely burned him across the burned someone across the middle. No, this was a deep uh, this was a deep oh, was pattern a down the down the sideline, I believe. Oh, yeah, I mean he stumbled out of the gate. Just. It's okay. No, just it's going to happen. Another important thing to uh, make note of here from the first weekend of Vikings practices. So we have solved offensive line <laughs> gate, guard gate, elf line gate. How do we get here? By the way. Pat Elfline was a right guard at practice, not a left guard. And so the Vikings have, at least as of right now, and according to Gary Kubiak, four solidified spots along the offensive line. Riley Reef at left tackle. You've got Garrett Bradbury at center. Pat Elfline at right guard. And then Brian O'Neill as one of the best starting right tackles in all of the NFL. And so the left guard battle is between, as of this weekend, Dakota Dozier and Aviant Collins were rotating in as first-team left guards. But Ezra Cleveland is probably primed to play left guard at some point, provided he can get up to speed. And and like he obviously has the higher upside than either Dozier or Collins. Right. So what are your thoughts now that we know kind of what the landscape is here along the offensive line? Now it makes perfect sense. It, it makes sense. So... Elfline now gets to basically sink or swim, and if he sinks, he probably becomes a uh, multi-position interior backup at right guard. The thought that Cleveland, and it was a thought that basically was an extrapolation from Kubiak's conference call a couple weeks ago where he did not make it clear that while Elfline would be starting in 2020, at least that's what he said at the time, that he was going to be on the right uh, side, right guard instead of left guard. Um, This makes sense. Riley Reef, left tackle. I think that's very fair. 
Cleveland now gets a chance to play left guard, and I wouldn't expect him to start at left guard in week one, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's starting at left guard by, let's say, week six. Uh, Bradbury back at center. Elf line or player X, and this could be about three or four guys at right guard, O'Neal at right tackle. So I, I would say what came out of uh, the practices over the weekend in which the uh, the uh, uh, folks actually got to see up close what the Vikings were going to do offensive line-wise, Phil Mackey, made a ton of sense and sort of cut through the confusion of Kubiak, who I don't really understand why he just didn't say, hey, Ladies and no, gentlemen, you don't want to give away too much. We're taking. You don't want to give away too we're much. We're taking Pat Elfline and we're moving him from get this <laughs> left guard to right guard, where he did play at Ohio State in college. I mean, like it's funny, like playing coy if you're the Vikings coaching staff with the guards. It's like, all right, league, hey league, we've got a bunch of non-desirable, mediocre, and young <laughs> players at these positions, but you're not going to know which one is starting at any given time. That's so true. So the quicker Ezra Cleveland can, but that can makes get sense, over right? There to left guard, yes. The uh, the better off the Vikings are going to be. So the thing about Elfline is like he's just been because of injuries and part of it's just like his own lack of productivity. I don't know what percentage is which, but he's just been so bad the last two years. He's one of the worst graded offensive linemen in all of the NFL the last two years, according to Pro Football Focus. Is right guard going to be some kind of a rejuvenation for him? Is it like to me? It's even more questionable to move him to a different position. I know that he's played there. You guys went back and looked at his Ohio State stuff. Like he played right guard at least for a season at Ohio State. Yeah, he's got experience. Um, but it's a new position for him in the NFL, right? And he's been bad at the other two familiar positions the last couple of years. Shouldn't that be a competition? I'll actually defend. Like, why is he just starting? I'll defend Elfline on center. Um, he got hurt there and then got moved to left guard and yep. d- definitely was not good there. Um, okay, I'll say this. I would say that Elfline is in no way, shape, or form guaranteed the starting job at right guard. Like, I think it's what we're seeing now. But if if you, if you play the game of uh, coaching common sense, what we just talked about makes the most sense, which is you shift Elfline, give him reps at right guard, which is very fair, right? You give different guys reps at left guard, but those guys probably have, have the ability to move to right guard as well. So, again, with, without um, without exhibition games and with the training camp being as con, uh, as goofed up as training camp is going to be, I would say that there's a very good chance that what you just said is Elfline competes for the, the right guard job, but there is actually competition there, and then eventually – at some point, Cleveland emerges as the left guard. Yeah, and then and then all of those guys basically go into a big jumbled guard stew and compete for the right. So, side. do you guys see? Because because right now, like it is just kind of a jumbled mess at a couple of these positions. Like I think we all feel pretty good about Brian O'Neill as the right tackle. Riley Reef has been average and fine at left tackle, but he's in his thirties now. So you've basically got like you're hoping that Ezra Cleveland can latch on and become a viable starter on the left side somewhere long-term. Mm-hmm. You're hoping that Garrett Bradbury can take a big step forward from where he was last year as a rookie. And that's a lot to bite off, a rookie center in the NFL. It's just it's a lot of processing, and you, you know, you're not as big as you would be a year or two into your career. But it's a, it's a jumbled mess in a lot of ways, the offensive line. Do you guys believe that... <laughs> Well, it's, it's a jumbled mess, and like it's all based on hope. Or do you do you guys see a path to where, all right, it's a jumbled mess now, and this is kind of a transition season, but I see the blueprint and I see the light for 2021-22. I am hopeful because 
eventually here, um, Reef will be gone. Cleveland will kick out to left tackle. Your tackles w- will be um, solidified at that point. And then you're dra- you're drafting interior you're, again, though. You are, but I mean, you are praying to God. The, the 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 potential X factor in this entire conversation too is Bradbury. I mean, he's a first round pick. He has to work. If he does not work out, it's a huge problem. Um, but I think for 2020, I think the the expectation for the Coobs offense is that this line will continue to be very solid. And they were solid last year in their ability to run block. It was pass protection that got dicey. I think you're asking Gary for the most part for 2020 to take this um, this stew and do the best he possibly can. And I think with how he likes to call plays and run offenses that we are going to see the run blocking and that zone blocking scheme that he's played for a long time come into play a lot. Uh, but I, I'd say 2021 and beyond, if you've got left tackle right, if you've got right tackle and Bradbury, I want good guards here. But that's a good starting point. I, I think the problem has been, you know, up until now, the infrastructure of the line has not made sense, right? Because it's like you got Reef at left tackle, and he's not bad, but he's not great. Right? And, and then right tackle fell apart for a while. It's definitely improved with O'Neill now. So I, I think they are on the right track. But keep in mind, too, this finally goes back to Spielman's willingness to what? Draft um, offensive linemen relatively high which for far too long i mean there is to me no excuse here for far too long the thought process process seemed to be we can make it work and it's like no you can't so now at least they're doing the right thing blueprint wise by going back and starting to draft guys in decent spots as far as uh Offensive line goes decks. Yeah, I'm I'm just curious because I think guys like Avianti Collins and Dakota Dozier are really good depth pieces, and I think they can slide in in a pinch and and be competent when you know like you have someone like T.J. Clemmings or when your offensive line gets completely decimated like they did in 2016. I, I feel comfortable when I have guys in depth positions like that. I just have major questions if those guys going to be full on starters. So I, I think Reef is fine. I think. Uh, Garrett Bradbury is going to bounce back. Ezra Cleveland, it might be a little bit of a project, um, but I, I, there's hopes there. And the one guy we never seem to talk about is Brian O'Neill, who is the best guy on the line. Like but that's he, why, and, and that's good. But I don't think we also give him enough credit either for being a stabilizer. So I, I just have questions with those the two depth pieces in, in Collins and, and and Udo and all those guys. Why are we not talking about and where the hell is Drew Samia in the big yes. picture of of things here? What did Drew Samia do so wrong? That He's this, nasty. But I, I mean, he was nasty. But did but did he show up fat? Like why are we? This this should be a guy I think firmly in the mix for the starting right guard job. Like what's ha- that's the one that surprises me. It is weird that he's not even. It's We're almost not talking like about him. It's almost like he's not, not being mentioned out of spite by the right. coaching staff, like but, something. But is that? But is that because he's done something so wrong that he can't recover from it, or are they trying to light a fire beneath his butt? Which, if if that's the case, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. But it does seem odd for a guy who we assumed would definitely be in the mix for a starting guard position to now. Uh, from the coaching staff perspective, basically not be mentioned. He's still so he's not even twenty three yet, too. Like he's so young, Oklahoma, right? So, so I mean, he play, he played at a great program or did. a good program. Yep. Well, I mean, it's this. It, I don't. Drew Samia is a guy that definitely gets hurt because there aren't preseason games. Because he would get a ton of run in the yep. second half of at least two or three preseason games, and now he's got to prove it at practice, which he should be proving it at practice, regardless of preseason. Blocking games. for Sean Mannion. <laughs> 
God. That's what he's doing. He's Sean Mad, don't laugh. He might be your starter in I'm week not four. Laughing. I'm crying if, on the inside. If Cousins gets the COVID, <laughs> Sean Mannion's your guy. So, all right. Well, we're going to keep an eye on Vikings training camp throughout the week. Judd's going to make an appearance out there today. We're recording this on a Monday. And so if you guys have questions or things you want to see us talk about or things you want us to investigate when it comes to uh, this this weird and unique Vikings training camp, hit us up on Twitter, at Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolget, at Dexas Tweets. And uh, you can also drop comments in the comment section of our YouTube page, youtube.com slash score north. And we'll see you next time on Purple Daily.